What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Dishes and Dimes podcast. I'm your host, Christian Oblena, and today is Tuesday, January 26, 2021. I am recording this uh, around 5.30 in the afternoon. And, you know, a slow NBA day so far. Um, But we are actually a quarter of the way through the NBA season. You know, we are around, you know, 17 to 19-ish games for most of these teams. You know, some teams were going through postponed games from COVID. And so, you know, teams like the Pelicans who are only, I think, 5 and 10 or something like that. They've only played 15 games, but other teams have played up to like at least like 19. And so that's a pretty much a quarter of the way through. You know, it actually seems like there's been a lot of basketball that's been played in the past month. And I don't know if that's because so many things are happening so quickly. You know, the James Harden trade happened and uh, it's a quick turnaround. And so many talking points that are going on throughout the season. But it just seems like it's such a short amount of time, you know, just a quarter way of the season of a 72 game season. But to me, it just seems like there's been a lot, a lot of basketball played, but we still have, you know, around 45 ish games to be played. And a lot of things can happen. You know, during that time span, we still have yet to talk about uh, the trade deadline, which is in March. And, you know, the season is just going to keep chugging along, apparently. So, uh, some NBA news for the week. Uh, this morning, there was some really great news actually coming from the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Shams of The Athletic reported that Karis LeVert had surgery to to treat kidney cancer um, and he will not need further treatment. He went. Uh, he underwent successful surgery to treat renal cell carcinoma of his left kidney. And he is expected to make a full recovery. And, you know, one thing about the Harden trade that happened was that Karis LeVert is now on this new team on the Pacers. And, you know, when the trade went down, I was a huge advocate for his kind of his move to the Pacers. I think, uh, you know, the Pacers are a team that he can be very productive. There's a role for him to be a creator and a and a ball handler and a pretty solid defender and he can be a really good you know two-way three-way he could be a really good two-way player for them you know with the likes of Brogdon and Sabonis and just the system that they have in place um, with coach Nate Bjorkgren uh, in Indiana and so this is wonderful news and it's amazing that you know, if this trade didn't go down or if Karis LeVert wasn't in the package and he didn't have to go through a physical or anything like that, you know, this, you know, the the cancer or, you know, whatever, what was going on with him might have never been noticed by team doctors. And it's only because he got traded and is on a new team that he had to go through a physical and, you know, all the checkups and everything with that with his health and so 
you know, it's amazing how something like that works out for him. A guy who has already been through a tough injury before in his young career. And this would have been so heartbreaking and just downright sad that, you know, if they didn't suspect suspect this until now. And so this is just great for him. It's good for the league. It's good for the Pacers. It's just good for, you know, all parties involved and that he can make a very good recovery. And hopefully we get to see him back on the court and producing at high level as he was, you know, before uh, the trade and everything. And the other news we have is that the NBA is planning on still trying to have a an all-star game this year in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. And so, you know, before the season, all-star weekend was supposed to be in Indianapolis, I believe, uh, this year. And that was already canceled. The whole all-star weekend was pretty much done. You know, they were, they were still going to have an all-star break, but the all-star weekend, all the activities and showcases like the all-star game and three-point con, all that stuff, right? It was, wasn't supposed to happen because of COVID. And now the NBA is still trying to have an all-star game, <laughs> let alone in in Atlanta, Georgia, where, you know, COVID data and, and the deaths and just overall cases, you know, isn't very good at all. Like it, it's not promising to where, oh, you know, maybe we can have it here in Atlanta, uh, but it's not even a safe place. I mean, America in general just isn't, you know, COVID safe at all compared to other countries. And so it's just, it's kind of disappointing that the NBA is pushing for this all-star game to happen when they've been preaching about player safety and, and they just added new protocols, you know, in the past two weeks for COVID and they've, they've been postponing games this whole month of January. It just doesn't make sense to really push for this and you know depending on I don't know how how serious they are with this idea of putting the all-star game but it's just it's not good it's 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 not a good look for the league in my opinion and there's no I mean maybe it's just their idea in the next 2 months like because the all-star break is still going to happen. It's in March. And so maybe they're thinking, you know, maybe it can happen with some things improving in the next two months and maybe it looks good. But so far, you know, at this moment, at the end of January, it's not looking good at all. Uh, Kawhi Leonard and... Paul George are apparently out this whole week due to safety protocols and the Grizzlies just had three of their game of their last three game or yeah three of their last couple of games uh to be postponed uh the Heat are went through some stuff the Celtics went through some stuff even the Sixers 
almost had a situation where they didn't have enough active players on the roster to actually play. And this is a league where they're preaching about player safety and trying to keep everyone, you know, safe from this pandemic while they're trying to get this season into play. And yet having an all-star game would put players at risk. And they're pretty much grabbing, you know, every best player across the league to play in an unnecessary game. And it's just, it's just about ratings and it's about the business of the NBA. I mean, that's pretty much the only reason why this is even in play. If Adam Silver and the league was really about, you know, player safety and keeping them away from contact with other players and other other people and other ways to contract this virus, the Ulster game just wouldn't be in question. It just doesn't make any sense. So I don't know. I don't like it. It doesn't seem like a good idea at all. Being in Atlanta, Georgia also is a horrible idea. So I don't know. That's just it. Uh, it it's, it's not good. Speaking of other disappointing news, uh, if, if any of you, I know I'm a, a good, you know, couple days late from this, but I know everyone saw the whole exchange between Shaq and Donovan Mitchell on TNT uh, a couple nights ago where it's a TNT game and Donovan Mitchell uh, plays really great in a win on TNT for the Jazz. And in the postgame interview, Shaq goes, literally just says, Hey Donovan, you're you're one of my you know you're one of my favorite guys to watch, or you know my favorite players in the league and stuff. But uh, I don't believe that you have what it takes to take it to the next level. You know, I wanted to say that to you, and what do you think about that? And you know, if you haven't seen this clip, I, I really. I really encourage you to do so. It's just so awkward. Donovan just kind of stands there and he has this weird look on his face like and he goes, "I." He literally goes, "I." But you no, know, I'm I'm going to keep doing me. I'm going to keep, you know, you know, all, all the all the stuff that he's supposed to say, you know, I'm going to keep working hard and improve my game and just try to win games and just, you know, do me. And you know, he did well to not say anything else that could be controversial or just could have started some really uh, stupid and unnecessary beef between him and Shaq. But I just, that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Just how, how that whole interaction went down. Mostly from, you know, from Shaq's. Uh, statements and you know if you it kind of ties into my what I 
I mean, what I think about this kind of ties into the last article I made on, I wrote on vocal and you can see that on my Twitter at obey Oblena. Um, but pretty much like this is what's kind of wrong with the NBA right now. It's, it's, it's turning into this soap opera. It's turning into this, this league where we're never really talking about the sport. We never talk about the sport. And I mean, to play devil's advocate for Shaq, right? I agree. The TNT crew is the best sports crew, sports broadcast crew. I think just in terms of entertainment and, you know, as being as candid as possible. And we know that it's, it's not scripted. And, and I know that a lot of their takes, you know, with, with, with Kenny and, and EJ and Shaq and, and Charles, you know, a lot of their takes are very candid and they're very honest. And we've seen that uh, through all the years that they've been broadcasting together. But to, to say that to a player after a pretty good game, you know, and to say it to a young star like that uh, in Donovan Mitchell, who maybe has the potential to be that superstar guy. We don't know. It might be too early to tell. I mean, he was a rookie in 2018. He's in his fourth year, fourth or fifth year uh, being in the league. And Donovan said what he would, pretty much what he was supposed to say. I just didn't like Shaq's part in terms of, this is not how we want to present the NBA to guys, to, to, to fans. And, you know, I'm going to make the NFL comparison like I did in my last article. This is what's wrong with or the difference in, in the NBA and, and the NFL. And on the NFL, if you saw my tweet last night, Tom, you have Tom Brady, who is arguably the best quarterback, maybe the best player of all time in the NFL. And he's out there and he's going against Aaron Rodgers in the NFC championship game. And he's talking about how talented Aaron Rodgers is. Maybe not, you know, during that weekend, but there are a lot of quotes where quarterbacks or players in NFL, even players that are retired and they're praising some of these guys, you know, retired running backs are talking about how, Derrick Henry is 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 a beast and he's he's one of the best you know to do it in the game right now and wide receivers are talking about DK Metcalf and DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams and these guys are just so respectful and, and they they celebrate their guys and in the NBA you have Hall of Fame guys uh you know pretty much not you know praising some of these players uh you know you had Shaq talking about I don't think you're good enough to to take it to the next level and you were talking about this guy who he's not you know a superstar now but he could be and it's just like that's not what we want to present to the league or to fans that we have media members and and other players kind of disrespecting each other and i mean i'll i'll never understand because i'm i'm not in the nba i i'll 
obviously. Uh, I'm not good enough to be, I was never good enough to be in the NBA. I was never even close. But just as a fan and just as someone who really cares about how basketball is seen, it it's not good in my eyes. It's just, it's just, I would rather, you know, if Shaq said it in, in, in the broadcast later on, maybe it's different. Maybe it's the same. I, I don't know. But to just say that on a live interview is just so weird. And I get that without the TNT crew being that candid and that honest, they wouldn't be as great as they are. I just didn't agree with that specific interview in terms of how people kind of view the game. And I guess it's just a, a long rant and ramble uh, explaining how I just didn't like it. But I mean, that's pretty much it. So uh, let's get into what I really want to talk about today is that Shams uh, dropped an article today, a really short article on The Athletic and a report saying that Lonzo Ball and JJ Redick are up in trade talks for the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, this is the first kind of big trade news or rumors that have been reported on, you know, ever since the James Harden stuff. And it's actually not too surprising because, you know, the Pelicans are struggling. The 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 team or the roster that's constructed right now is not built to win. You know, it's it's built to be flirting with the play in tournament, and that's not what the Pelicans want. I mean, they could actually be one of the worst teams in the West, uh, depending on how other teams shape up, because they're sitting here. Uh, I think they're five and ten, and they the, their their team just doesn't make sense. You have Brandon Ingram, uh, Zion Williamson as their core, and maybe even Lonzo, you could say, is part of that young core, right? And then you have Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe, and then a plethora of young guards with Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Kira Lewis, who they just drafted. Um, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and they just have plenty of guys that really don't really fit together. There's barely any shooting around Ingram and and Zion. Lonzo isn't shooting very well. Right now, he's, he's abysmal from the field. He's shooting 39% from the field, 29% from three. And even JJ Redick, who hasn't been very good, but I get why, because they don't have any other shooter that can spread the floor for them. They, he JJ Redick is 33% from the field, 30% from three, which is unheard of for a guy like JJ Redick. And it's going to be interesting because there's a report or a rumor that says that the Pelicans actually reached out to the Warriors for a package surrounding Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre, who struggled for pretty much most of this early season and then the past week has kind of started to get it going, you know, playing with a second unit with the Warriors and, you know, Lonzo is here at 11 million 
They're both expiring contracts. Lonzo is actually a restricted free agent at, at the end of the year. So if he gets traded, whoever the team, you know, whoever which team gets him, gets his bird rights. JJ Redick is an unrestricted free agent, so he can either leave that team or re-sign to where, wherever he goes. If he goes at all, you know, whatever. Um, But it's interesting because, you know, I think from the Warriors perspective, I think this is really good for them. If they could somehow package Ubre and maybe a smaller asset, maybe a couple small assets. They do have the, uh, the disabled player exception from Clay Thompson. That's at n- around 9 million, 9.2 million ish. And I don't know if that really, I think that can help them in this trade, but I mean, the fit for both teams, right? Lonzo would fit in seamlessly if they can get JJ Redick to, uh, for the Warriors, you know, that is exactly what they need for now in the short term. A guy that can defend, he can move the ball and play smart in Kerr's system. And JJ Redick, who can obviously spread the floor, can be a, a splash uncle, I guess, uh, in, in the short term for them. For the Pelicans, it's it's kind of odd. I, I think they just want to get rid of Lonzo and Redick to give more minutes to their young guards. I mean, they have like three young combo guards who need minutes to grow Lonzo Kira Lewis who they drafted at like 13 this year and Nikhil Alexander Walker who has had a big game uh, against the Lakers and or a big game against the Clippers I think he played well in the Laker game as well and you know, they have Josh Hart as well. They just have so many guys that need minutes, that need guard minutes, and they, there's just not enough to go around. And if they want to, you know, help this team grow, they're going to need to give more minutes to these young guards. And the fact that Lonzo and JJ are struggling from the field so far kind of makes it easier for them to be trade targets, and they're both expiring contracts. Uh, the Warriors have this interesting pick situation with the Minnesota Timberwolves they have their top three protected pick so if the Wolves don't get a top three pick in the next year in 2020 or this year in 2021 then that pick conveys to the Warriors and with the you know draft changes with the percentage wise for the lottery it's much harder to get the number one pick if you just tank 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 the whole season the percentages are now flattened, right? So, you know, that's also an interesting wrinkle for this. So if I don't think the Minnesota pick would ever be in play in this type of trade, that Minnesota pick is way too valuable for the Warriors if it conveys to them. So it's just, it would be a great trade for the Warriors. I just don't know if there's other packages that will be better. Um, because the Clippers also need a point guard, but they really have nothing else to trade to the Pelicans except like Lou Williams and another asset. They don't have any first round picks because of the Paul George trade. And they desperately need a ball handler and someone to get the offense going. You know, you can't just rely on Nick Batum being a point forward, Kawhi or Paul George being, you know, the main ball handler. 
And I don't think Patrick Beverly will ever be that type of guy for them. And so I assume the Pels would really want some nice assets that fit around Brandon Ingram and Zion so they can give more minutes to the to their young guards. I mean, Lonzo, he's shooting worse than 40% from the field. Um, he has He's posting career lows in assist percentage, rebound percentage, and steal percentage. And it's weird because Lonzo and Zion kind of develop, have developed a really good chemistry together. It's just that in, in, in the realm of those of the three guys, Ingram, Lonzo, and Zion, it just hasn't really panned out. I think a lot of that has to do with just how the roster is constructed. Just there's just no spacing. And the pairing of Zion and Adams, which we thought would be a, a crazy rebounding team, just hasn't worked out for them. There's like no space for Ingram to operate. And the paint is just all clogged up. So interesting thing to kind of follow in the next couple weeks because there's some interesting dates that are coming really soon. Uh, February 2, the last day a player can be traded and still be aggregated in a multiplayer transaction at the twenty March 25th trade deadline. And February 6, most players who sign free agent contracts in the offseason can begin to be traded. Um, one thing about you know, the the Warriors trade in this is that they have some guys that they've acquired, you know, Baysmore and Wanamaker that could potentially be in this deal, maybe, because they're also expiring contracts and they're small enough to kind of move the needle in the in terms of matching contracts. And so they would be able to be traded um by February 6th because that's after like the three month period of you know having a player and whatnot. So that's also interesting as well. Do I see this trade? Do I see the Warriors getting Lonzo and JJ Reddick? It seems like too good to be true for them. If if the Pelicans are that desperate and maybe the Warriors can give them like a 2022 first round pick you know, expecting that they'll be good next year with, you know, Clay Thompson coming back, uh, um, a year of James Wiseman of him learning throughout the season and coming back next season being a better player. And you know, if you have a a, a Steph, Alonzo, Clay, Draymond, Wiseman, Wiggins, JJ Redick. And then maybe like a, a, another big, like that's that's probably a title contender. And so in the short, short term, it works out really well for the Warriors. But if they get Lonzo as a restricted free agent, are they going to offer, a, can they offer enough money to have Lonzo stay after the season? I, I don't know. Because he seems like a guy that some other team will just throw a bunch of money at in hopes that he can be the player that he was drafted to be. And so this is just the start of Pelicans rumors. I assume there's going to be a lot more talks in the next week or two. So it's a good thing to kind of keep that, uh, just keep that being monitored. So another name that was kind of mentioned in the article is John Collins. This is kind of quick, but 
He's getting some looks because he declined a 90 million extension before the season started. He wants to be a max guy. And an interesting little wrinkle in this situation is because the Hawks have two other young players in DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish that both pretty much play the same position as John Collins and have very similar skill sets. You know, they can be, excuse me, scorers and three and D type guys. Collins is more of a volume scorer, but he's been playing pretty well this year. He's shooting, I think around 40% from three, which is crazy. And if the Hawks really don't want to offer the max to John Collins, you know, maybe they can offer him the the max and then trade him. I have no idea, but it's an interesting little situation to see because, you know, in my opinion, I think they could go without John Collins and just have Herder, uh, uh, DeAndre Hunter, and Cam Reddish just as that wing combination. And if they have, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich still there. Uh, Gallinari is, is is okay, I guess. But those two guys, you know, they're still really, really young. And they're they're both in their second years. So that's something to monitor as well. Uh, Derek Rose is also a name that was mentioned. But the two other teams that were mentioned in the article to trade for Derek Rose being the Knicks and the Clippers. Again, the Clippers have nothing to offer to any team looking to get assets. They have no valuable assets. They gave a big extension to Luke Kennard, who they're probably planning on keeping. They have uh, Lou Williams again, Patrick Beverly, who I'm pretty sure they're keen on keeping. Lou Willis is just the only guy that can be kind of an asset but it's not like the Pistons need an an old undersized scoring guard that can really only do one thing on the court and it doesn't really change <laughs> kind of change the situation for the Pistons they're probably going to be the worst team in the league uh the Knicks maybe can offer a better value for them cuz they have younger guys like Frank Nilakina who maybe can be better for the Pistons, but is is Nilakina better than DeLon Wright or Josh Jackson? Uh, Derek is is he better than those guys who they already have under contract? Probably not. It's kind of redundant. Maybe Nilakina can be a guy that helps out Killian Hayes, but. It's just a really ugly situation. I don't know where Derrick Rose can go. That's feasible and that can that the Pistons can actually get assets back from. So I know that Derrick Rose will probably be traded this season, but depending on where, I have no idea. But those were all the trade kind of rumors so far for today from Shams reports. I kind of want to end off this episode talking about this net situation and potential buyout targets because there's always a buyout market every single year. Contenders are going to want 
guys that kind of round out the whole roster. And so I have four names for the Nets because they desperately need someone in the rotation that can add defensive presence. They can't rely on KD, DeAndre Jordan, and Reggie Perry, who's been playing the four and the five recently to defend, especially in the playoffs. You know, they have the offense, they have all the offense in the world, but it doesn't really matter unless you can get stops. And I know that they have three of the most prolific scores in NBA history, but it's still hard to see this team win really tight playoff games if they can't defend. I know that they beat the Bucks in that really close game uh, last week on Tuesday, but you know, what if Kyrie or Harden sputters out like they usually do in the past couple of years? Uh, is KD strong enough to physically handle that type of load off an Achilles injury? I know he looks great, but are you, do you want him to be defending, you know, tough guys like Giannis and Bede, Bam Adebayo, and if they even make it to the finals, you know, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is destroying DeAndre Jordan. Um, And also they lost Jared Allen. So here's a quick four names that I'm putting out there. JaVale McGee is the easiest one. JaVale is on a $4.1 million contract right now with, with the Cavs. The Cavs really want to get rid of all their centers. They have McGee. They have Andre Drummond. They have Kevin Love, who's injured. They have Jared Allen. And all those guys are not going to be sharing the center spot. There's no way. Uh, PJ Tucker. Uh, I think a lot of people on the Rockets that were part of this Harden run, you know, PJ Tucker, Eric Gordon specifically, I think those two guys are going to be in the trade and buyout market. PJ Tucker is earning $7.9 million right now. And he's in his last year of his contract. He can be bought out by the Rockets. And I'm I'm assuming Tucker would want to go play with his with Harden. I don't know if he still likes Harden, but he's the type of guy that they desperately need. Ed Davis. Ed Davis is, is actually a guy kind of low-key on the radar. He's a good rebounder. He's earning $4.8 million with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Still looks okay and can add minutes. And you know, if your big rotation is DeAndre Jordan and Ed Davis, that's something. That's better than nothing, right? And then lastly, Robin Lopez. With the Wizards, he's earning $7.3 million this year. One-year contract. The Wizards are a mess. This Russ-Bradley Beal situation is a mess. Bradley Beal is a guy that we always talk about every single year. is going to be in trade talks. Uh, until the deadline passes Russell Westbrook looks washed he can't really do anything to save this team and he's not even on the court and they just have so many things going wrong for them and those are the four guys they're all big men I think they desperately need a big man that can add some energy and defensive uh, mentality uh, you know in you know 15 minutes per game 20 minutes per game, if anything. Just split minutes with John D. Jordan at the center spot and they'll just be in a much better place. Does that make them title favorites? Not necessarily, but it gets them in a much better position to get stops when they really need it in the playoffs. So 
that's it for today. Hopefully, this Cove situation for the league gets much better. It really seems like Adam Silver is just going to keep chugging along, just like the MLB did, just like the NFL did this past year. They're saying all the right things that they want to keep the players safe, but none of their actions are showing it. It's still a young, still a young and long season ahead. So, until next time, I will be putting out an episode maybe the next uh, week or two talking about more trade rumors, maybe even some NBA awards uh, predictions and surprises. So, stay tuned. If you're not following me on Twitter already at Obeyoblena, please give me a follow. I post all my uh, NBA takes and everything like that uh, going into it. Maybe next time there could be a little uh, little draft preview or something like that. Who knows? But until next time, uh, this has been another episode of Dishes and Dimes podcast, and I'll see you until the next episode.